Hey, it's Michael Rosso, Film Photography Podcast. I'm here in New York City. I'm walking down 42nd Street, the very first FPP meetup. We're going to be visiting Lomography.com. We're going to be visiting the fine folks at Impossible Project New York. And right now I'm walking through the spectacle of 42nd Street. I'm at 42nd Street and 8th Avenue and heading towards 23rd Street, which is the flat iron building. As you can hear, the hustle and bustle of the city. Uh, it's only 9 a.m., yet the city is thriving with people. As I, pass the, as I pass the famous Port Authority bus terminal, in my bag today, I packed very, very light. I have an over-the-shoulder bag with my Polaroid Spectra camera, some Polaroid image Spectra film, a pack of Impossible PZ film for Spectra cameras. I brought my trusty Olympus Stylus Epic camera with about five rolls of Fujifilm Superior 400 ASA because it's very gray and overcast. Looking forward to a terrific day and meeting a lot of the local FPP listeners. Let's go to a quick break and we'll be right back. I'd like you to join me on a journey through the most unique total photographic system ever made. It's the completely automatic new Spectra system from Polaroid. Let's go inside. Simply press the shutter and two separate systems measure me and the background for light. I'm also automatically measured by sonar for distance. And in one twentieth of a second, an amazing new lens automatically snaps my image into sharp focus. Now the flash goes on. And my precisely measured smiling face hurtles through space down onto a brilliant new Polaroid film. A churning molecular sea of stunning new colors that will result in a brilliant new Polaroid picture. A larger, more beautiful picture. Picture after picture. And I'm able to do all this simply by doing this. The new Polaroid Spectra system. We take your pictures seriously. What you just heard was uh, me uh, getting out of my vehicle in New York City on April 16th for the FPP New York City meetup, and we'll be going back to that, uh, that tape, so to speak. But right now I'm in the studio. This is Film Photography Podcast, show number 34, May 1st, 2011, FPP, the show for people who love to shoot with film, thinking about shooting with film shooting digital, but maybe want to shoot film, or all of the above. And in the studio today, I'm with almost official co-host Matt Mirage. Hey, how's it going, Mike? Can we say you're an official co-host? I think we can say I'm an official co-host Yeah, you've now. been on months now. The, the response has been pretty good, and yeah. I'm, I'm getting very confident about it, so yeah. Good, okay. If you co-host, I like the sound. Right. So I'm here with co-host Matt Mirage, and special guest filling in for John Fideli, Dan Domi. hey <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to be the Ed McMahon of FPP? Uh, I don't know. I'll try and be more John-like while I'm here. You were breaking, like you were muttering some things in New York City uh, at the uh, uh, at the photo walk. Like for example, you were a few times. You I heard. I don't. I don't know if you said it out loud or under your breath. You're like breaking news. Breaking news. Yeah. Can you, let's try that sound bike ahead. Okay. Breaking news. That's pretty good. 
pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm if if you're listening, John. I'm not. I'm not trying to rip you off. I'm just. You can say whatever you want about yeah. John. He's not going to listen. <laughs> <laughs> he won't. He's still catching up. Right. He's still catching. He's on episode three. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, John, by the way, is in Florida. For folks who uh, want to know, where's John? Let's see if we can get him on the uh, on the FPP F- F- bat phone. Yeah, it's on the FPP hotline. hotline yeah. <laughs> you don't, don't want to. Yeah, you don't want to hear that sound, Mike. It's ringing. It is. Yeah. Hello. This is John? This is John. Who do who, who, who you think it is? <laughs> You're on uh, Film Photography Podcast. I'm on Film Photography oh, right now? Yeah. Right now, John. Oh, hello. See, here's Matt. Say, Matt. Hey, what's going on, John? Hey, dude. How's it going? Good. I'm just actually uh, walking around shooting uh, shots of SeaWorld with my Holga. Oh, is that right? Oh, good. When are you going to post yeah. those online? Huh? When are you going to post those on Flickr? Flickr. Uh, well, I got, I got to finish the roll first there, Pally. All right. <laughs> all right. Get to it. Give us the quick uh, Florida recap. Did you, like, shoot Mickey Mouse with your Holga? Uh, well, I've been shooting everything. I've been shooting with my Hitch Fanatic in my phone and my, uh, and my Holga at 35. That's a Holga uh, 35 BC. Camo. We got some, uh, Nemo, a couple of family photos, you know. Who's, who's Shamu? Oh. Shamu. The, the whale. Yeah, check Come the whale. On. Come on. You don't know who Shamu is? I thought it was like a genie and some cartoon or Michael something. Michael Rosso that's, does that's not know Shazam, who Shamu Mike. is. Oh, that's that's Shazam. <laughs> Shazam. <laughs> We just started. We're talking about the uh, photo walk from April 16th. Oh, great. Yeah. Oh, I do have one interesting tidbit. Yes. No 200 feet ASA film in Disneyland anywhere. All 400. Breaking news. This is breaking news. In like select areas. Everything else are those uh, crummy uh, disposable cameras. So the report is only 400 ASA 35 millimeter film. Roll film. And and disposable 35 millimeter cameras. And even in Florida down here, I went to the Publix, which is the uh, supermarket chain, and I bought the last two rolls of 24 exposure 200 speed. Last two. Oh dear. Do you do you think there? No more. <laughs> Do you think they'll restock? Did you get the clerk out of his office and ask him? Uh, I went back last night to go get some milk, and uh, I looked at that spot. Nothing. Yeah, exactly. I don't think they're gonna re- restock it in 24 hours. Oh God, where I film? They, they they'll probably put their two piece order into Kodak now. <laughs> two piece. And was it Fuji film or Kodak film? Oh, it was Kodak. Kodak gold. What kind gold, of? Gold, I tell you. What is, what, what's, that, what's that, John? Say that again. Gold, gold, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell me the expiration date on the Kodak Gold? Uh, it's uh, 2013. Oh, okay, not oh, so, so bad. It's newer, yeah. Yeah, it's fresh. Yeah, yeah. Oh. fresh. Okay. No, uh, no, probably some wacky tower that just started making noise here. Well, uh, <laughs> thanks for thanks for checking in with me. I appreciate it. Well, we look forward to seeing your Holga images on your Flickr page. Yes, that's probably going to be my first images I post on Flickr after a year of being a member. Awesome. Finally. Okay. Very good, John. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. That was a John Fideli checking in. He's currently in SeaWorld. I got to meet him someday. I just, I got to meet John Fideli someday. That's what everybody says. Everyone likes John. Lauren would have been here if John was here. I know <laughs> it. She loves John. Yeah, everyone loves John. So before we get back to the audio tape from the uh, uh, FPP meetup in New York City, 
that took place on 416. Uh, Dan, you organized the event. Yes, I did. Can you tell me a little bit about how, how you got this together, what the concept of it was, and and uh, what it was like to put together? First, I it, it was all based on Flickr. I went on the boards, and I tried to feel out for where people wanted to meet up. I didn't know it was going to be New York City, though I thought that was a pretty uh, strong possibility. Uh, people weighed in, and it sounded like New York was a best way to go for all of us who are in the surrounding area so just set the date booked my hotel um made sure matt could uh come pick me up on the way and uh yeah it, it all went off without a hitch i i will have to say not being too familiar with manhattan i had to sort of uh reach out for uh interesting places to go walk around and shoot got in touch with fellow listener michael Kalia, uh who was such a huge help in planning the photo walk i gotta give him yet another shout out for all the effort that he put into uh, setting up a route. Yesterday, uh, April 30th, was the Toronto photo walk set up by Alex Lux. I don't know. Have you ever... I haven't heard of that person before. (laughs) (laughs) Who's that? Sure you have. Really? Alex Lux? I've mispronounced his name every single podcast. Oh, you mean Alex Loichik? Not Alex Loichik. What? His name is pronounced Lux. Lux? Yes. Isn't that like a unit of uh, light measurement? Yes. But it's it's definitely not spelled the same. Nope. Else you would have been able to pronounce it. That's correct. From day one. That's correct. Yeah. This is the first time I'm actually pronouncing his name correctly. I'm going to miss Alex Loichik. Well, I could email him and ask him if you can call him Alex Loichik. Okay. I'm probably going to end up doing it accidentally anyway. Yeah, right. So I hope to get the full report from Alex. And uh, there's another Alex on the West Coast who wants to organize a, a Los Angeles photo walk. Nice. I encouraged him to kind of wait till the fall because my head's ready to explode. Exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, our good friend Darren Pancho Riley, which, by the way, uh, the 5th of May is Cinco de Mayo, which I think <laughs> that's a good enough reason for me to play a uh, Pancho song. Oh, yeah. We need some Mariachi there. Yeah. You know, every every morning I wake up and a little part of my brain asks, "What's Pancho up to?" <laughs> Why is that? Uh, I don't know. We've uh, we've connected on uh, Twitter, uh, Flickr, and he actually got me uh, to start posting to Lomography.com. But more on Lomography later. Joe Colbeck, he, he was here last night. And I showed him the Polaroids we took in Manhattan on the 16th. And uh, he pointed to you. I was like, who's that guy? You. <laughs> He's like, who's the British guy? <laughs> the British guy. Yeah. It's because of my hat. It's the hat. Yeah, it's the hat. Yeah. I, got, I got one of those uh, driver's caps on. I'm sure one of those photos will make it to Flickr. During the meetup that we passed a British food store. And like you, you're like, yeah. like uh, so do you want to be Brit? I mean... I, I want to be British. You know, if, if anybody at the UK meetup wants to uh, pay for like a plane ticket and will shack me up for a night, then uh, I'll gladly <laughs> go to the UK meetup. Well, the UK meetup, uh, head up by Darren Riley, and he's in, in cahoots with the Lomography Society. Oh, oh out yeah. there? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Yes, he sent me an email, and apparently Lomography is going to take us on a tour. Like a Lomography guided tour. Is it gonna be a? Is it gonna be a two uh, tiered bus? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Double decker bus. And that's happening, I believe, on 
June 18th, Saturday, June 18th. That sounds huh? about right. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I have to ask you, Matt, are you in? Are you putting me on the spot on the show, Mike? Oh, really? I shouldn't do that, right? You gotta, you no. gotta do that. That's not a nice thing to do, is it? I'm in. No. Oh, no way. I'm in. Oh, I'm jealous. So the NYC meetup, we're going to go back to the audio tape on that. What I did was I brought my Polaroid Spectra camera on the on the meetup because I wanted to do a rogues gallery, mugshots, so to speak, of every participant, <laughs> yeah. mostly because I would not be able to remember a person's name with the face. And also, um. once I get images back from the lab of the film that I shot, mm. I'm, I'm... Post names, tag it, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be able to remember. Uh, we had uh, uh, John Cloer. Remember yes. John? Yep. Oh, yeah. With the Beast Pentax 6-7. Yeah. 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 I'd like to see like a cage match between his camera and my old Kiev 6C. And who, uh, what uh, the camera that he has? Uh, are you guys familiar with that camera? Very much. It's, it's just a beast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It takes a 122-20. It's, it makes a 6x7 negative. Yeah. Okay. But it's an SLR, so getting a, a prism on the 6x7 for an SLR is what makes it just an unwieldy beast. Yeah. He had it's, it set up on a monopod just so he could handle like the mere slap uh, when, it, when it went off. John donated the 220. He must have. He did because oh, he, yes. was, uh, he was talking about how he's not too much of a, a black and white guy. He's more colored. Right, right. And uh, that's some. He did the on-site donation in the Lomography store. That's right. And uh, it was it's Tri X three twenty, which is the pro level Tri X. It's in two twenty format, and I'd have to check, but I don't think anybody anywhere makes any two twenty black and white anymore. Is that right? There is no two twenty black and white film. Yeah, it's all color. So I should just keep this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, eBay it, you know. Yeah. Well, eBay it, and then you can send me to the UK. You know what? I'll keep one roll. Do it. Yeah. Test yeah. it out. I mean, you'll, I mean, you'll love you the me? fact that you can get 32 shots on it. It's Is that great. right? Yeah. Yeah. 32 shots? Yeah, I mean, it's 645, so. yeah. So any folks out there listening who use 220 film, which is 120 film, but a, a, a more shots, a longer, longer. length. Twice yes. as long. Mm-hmm. And it will not, this will not fit in a hoga, correct? No, uh, I don't believe so. And it's so. not paperbacked, is it? Um, I don't think no, so. No, I don't think so. If it is, it's got some ends It has some ends on it. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So I, I would guess any experts out there, we'll call them experts, yeah, professionals. Experts. <laughs> any professionals. Pro, any professionals out there. Matt, you shoot 220? Um, I'm going to be shooting 220 for my weddings coming up because uh, 16 shots goes pretty quick. Yeah, just recently expired, 211. Any, anyone out there using 220 film? I have some very rare uh, Tri-X 320. Uh, just send me an email at filmphotographypodcast at gmail.com. Yo! <laughs> Stereo. I didn't even get a chance to do it. I was, no. I was going, getting ready to do it, and you guys no. just... Yo! No. <laughs> uh, this is not a contest. Yeah. This is just... Send me an email. First come, first serve. I have three, four rolls. Just tell me who you are, what you're going to be shooting it with. <laughs> get, get the Sharpie on it. You know, now that I think about it, it might be possible to shoot that in a Holga if, if you, like, counted out the clicks or something like that. Yeah. Did I, the math. I guess. If you're hardcore about it. If you're it. buying a Holga, I'm guessing you don't want to do the math. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, guys know this guy, Tom Schaefer? Tom came with... Tom Pink came guy. with uh, Chris. There he is. There he is, right there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Tom and Chris came together. They were from uh, Buffalo, New York. This uh, looks like a nice Italian young man, Chris Ficcio. Yeah. Hey. Hey. Paisan. Ficcio. Uh, they're both from where? They're from Buffalo, New York. Oh, okay. Sorry. I think they said they took the bus, the mega bus. Oh, really? Yeah. And they, they all, these, both these guys are both, look at their holding. Look at they're, their camera. They're both, they both had uh, RZ67s, yeah. Really? They were, they beasts, were hardcore. Beasts. Now, uh, Dan, you mentioned that throughout the whole day, you didn't notice that much shooting going on. Is that true? 
Like, uh, everyone was carrying around, like, these yeah. guys carrying around these monster cameras. Was anyone snapping any pictures? Uh, yeah. I, you know, I didn't notice a lot. Uh, it could definitely have been going on, but it seemed like we were more chatting amongst each other and hanging out, just passing the time. I didn't notice too many shots going off, except here and there. Okay. Um, though, of course, the weather might have had something to do with it. It was it was cloudy for most of the day, or all of the day. Right. And then uh, at, once uh, we got out of the Lomography store, it started raining a bit. Yeah. And once we were done, it started pouring. Here, here's a, a image of Dan looking very stressed. Yeah. At the beginning of the day. <laughs> on the, always on yeah. the phone. Yeah. yeah. Uh, here is a shot of, this is Anton, Anton Abramson. He yes. was a nice guy. Yeah. He was a great guy, and oh, he yeah. has... Uh, he has a like a fold out. Yeah, it's a Voigtlander. Okay, that was, that was one of the smallest 120 folders I'd ever seen. I mean, it, it looked like it barely had enough room for the the take up spool and the 120 spool. It's it's all it's only slightly bigger, I think, than a similar Voigtlander which I've seen, the Voigtlander Vito Two. Which hey, Vito, was, Vito, <laughs> hey. Vito. I'm gonna make him an offering camera for you. <laughs> That's Vito, V-I-T-O. Uh, by the way, if you if you know these cameras we're talking about, if you use the Google, you can look them up and actually it's probably Camerapedia or something. Oh, definitely, yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, it's a nifty camera, Anton, great guy. The Google. He was chatting with me about some progressive rock. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like uh, what kind? Like uh, uh, King early, Crimson. King Crimson. Nice. Early Genesis. I love Early Genesis. Yeah. My favorite uh, lamb lies down on Broadway. Uh, you may not be aware, but the very first album of Split Ends. Oh, yeah? Yes. The uh, Austra- no, New Zealand. New Zealand. Guy. Yeah, Split who, Ends. Who was it? Uh, uh, Tim Finn. You played the sound clip. You're damn right I did. I and and I, you, you played that sound clip from the song, and I'm like, what the hell is this song? I need it. Judd. Phil Judd. Phil Judd and Tim Finn started Split Ends, and their first album was 1975. It's unbelievable. Really? Ah. And their inspiration, part of it was, I don't know if it was direct, but certainly some, was early Genesis, because early Split Ends did the whole costuming, uh-huh. and, the fir- and the very first albums are very, very progressive. When people think of Split Ends, many think of the Neil Finn, Tim Finn 1980 split ends you know the hit okay. i got you it's like i don't know but sometimes i get frightened come on guys <laughs> no no take I, it away mike I, keep yeah. going yeah you guys don't know that does anyone know this you don't know that song i'm, I'm no, completely no, oblivious no. to this whole I conversation you. i i haven't been exposed to it you know i started taking guitar lessons back in in high school and uh the first day the teacher started playing the chords to Hotel California, and we were all like, "What's that?" Oh, so oh, it's, been, it's been it's uh, been it's been a quick, uh, intensive music education for me. F- Philip Judd, uh, he is in Australia now, and if you go to um, his website, just Google Philip Judd, Phil Judd. Uh, he's still producing albums. They bought his recent albums. They're fantastic. If you like early split ends, you will love the new Phil Judd. And get this: if you order his CDs, you'll get a package right from his house. <laughs> he wow. mails it out of his house. Yeah, I got a package. I'm assuming it's. it's I got it from him. There's a handwritten note in there. And this is a cool. guy I idolize. Nice. Yeah, you don't expect that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. He Very personal of, touch. He, he did not stay with split ends, and of course, split ends went on to form Crowded House. Neil okay. Finn. Yeah. And then Tim Finn jumped on and off of the crowded house bandwagon. Tim Finn is a solo artist now, 
the Finn Brothers release albums, but Phil Judd kind of fell by the wayside. Might have been some issues. Well, you wouldn't know me from a bar of soul, a bar of furniture, an ornament, a rocking chair. It's all very well to cry now. Sweet dreams, everyone so wild. Fantastic musician, uh, and I always play with a soundbite for everyone. If you hear this, you're like, what is that? Film photography podcast at gmail.com. Yo. <laughs> you know, let's uh, let's go listen to a soundbite. Let's listen. Let's catch up with ourselves as we were <laughs> on the street. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah. On April 16th. That'll be fun. Yeah. So let's oh. take a listen. I'm now in Madison Park. Let's see who uh, who's in this uh, group over here. I couldn't I couldn't quite call them a motley crew. Nope, they don't look very dangerous. They look uh, quite mellow, actually. I'm now approaching the group. I'm now getting closer to the group. I must be about six feet from the group. In the I'm in the group. Oh my goodness! Here I am. Yeah, there's Matt. He's taking a picture. Matt has his uh, spinner. Wow. And Matt, what is that called? The this is the Lomo Spinner 360. The Lomography store loaned it out to me and gave me three rolls of film. They're gonna process it, send it back to me, and I'm supposed to review it on the FPP. I've got some 800 speed film in here, and hopefully there's something on the film. And how many shots do you get per roll of 35 millimeter film? Uh, depending on how hard you yank it, anywhere from seven to nine. Okay. This thing eats film. <laughs> Standing here with Chris. Hi, Chris. Hi. Have you been shooting film for a long time? Um, probably about five years. Digital before that? Yes. Always a photography buff? Um, yeah, well, I went to school for photography. Oh, very cool. And what, what did you bring with you today? I brought a Mummy RZ67 and a Konica Auto S2. Oh, very nice. Very nice. And are they new to you, or have you had them for a while? Um, I've had the RZ for about a year and a half, and the Konica I just got couple months ago. Okay, okay. And who'd you bring with you? I brought my friend Tom. Hey Tom. Hey, how's it going? How long have you been shooting film? Oh, I've been shooting film for maybe about two years now or a year. Chris got me into it really big time when he uh, showed me his 4x5 camera, so I had to get one after that. <laughs> did you, you were shooting digital? Uh, yes, I was. And when Chris showed you the 4x5, did it, were you kind of like, oh my god, what is this? Yeah, I pretty much crapped my pants and I fell in love right away. <laughs> and what did you did you automatic did you go right into medium format or did you start in 35? Actually, I um, my dad gave me an old Nikon camera from when he used to shoot us as kids, and um, so I did a little bit of 35, nothing serious, and then I started with 4i5 after that because I just fell in love, and then Chris had a Mamiya for a while, and I was like, oh, you know, it's convenient, you know, it's a little bit cheaper, so I decided to get the Mamiya, but I mean, I'm still. My, my, my love is still with a 4x5. How long have you been shooting with a Mamiya? Uh, not even a year, I don't think. Not you, a, do you remember your first roll? Yes, I do. Was, I shot Velvia for my first roll. So. <laughs> oh, very sweet. Very sweet. And when you got that back, you probably couldn't believe it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that was my first time I saw a slide film. So I just, no, actually, I saw it with 4x5, but I pretty much freaked out. How did you deal with the, the scan dilemma, or did you not scan it at all? Chris and I have been working with scanning together for a while now, and I'm trying to get a little bit of a hand of it. Some films are kind of hard to scan over others, but I got a little bit more control over it than I did when I started off, of course. But right. yeah. And Chris, well, when did you shoot your first roll for the Mamiya? Probably a year and a half ago. A year and a half. Did you have the same kind of awesome experience when you got your film back? Yeah, it was just so large. Like, I'd only shot 35mm before that, so right. it was kind of like, you know, like six times as big, and it was just awesome. Was it transparency or was it uh, color print film? Um, I think it was transparency. Right. And both of you guys are here in New York? 
No, we're from Buffalo, New York. Oh, Buffalo! Yeah. <laughs> so you guys took a hike down here. Yes. <laughs> yeah. For folks who don't know, Buffalo is, you know, Buffalo, New York, you know, Manhattan, New York. Like, oh, I'll take the train. Well, you can, but it, is it like six hours? It's about seven, eight. Ah, okay. I shouldn't feel so bad then if I wanted to visit Matt. Yeah, step on over, Matt. Uh, these gentlemen uh, travel from Buffalo, New York. Oh, from Buffalo. I have family in Lewiston. I'm actually. Are you guys going to the Toronto meetup at the end of the month? You guys should. <laughs> I think I'm going to be there. I don't know. I, I kind of see a, like a, a FPP bus in the near future. I'm in. We find an old crummy van. Just dress it up. We could stick. We could stick a bunch of Trip 35s on it or something. I have an old crummy van. There we go. Yeah. We're all set. I'm standing here with Michael Kalea. For all you FPP diehards out there, you may remember him from the FPP uh, show where we, where we were at the PDN Photo Expo in New York City. Hi, Michael. Hi, Michael. How you doing? Pretty good. And you're from uh, right here in New York, right? Yeah, I live in Brooklyn. So it's a hop, skip, and jump for this meetup. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. You so. couldn't resist. Absolutely not. No, no. And probably the big news. Breaking news. Probably the big, Michael is a uh, designer. Would you call yourself a web designer? Jack of all trades, print, web, yeah, anything. Michael's jack of all trades, designer, and Michael is now working on the new FPP film photography project website. Is that true, Michael? That is indeed true. And anything to say about that? Because you probably know more than I do about it. <laughs> I think it's best to 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 wait and see. Oh, yeah. But it's going to be it's going to be pretty cool. It's going to bring all the the various parts that are kind of out there together and under one roof. True. There's a lot going on. There really is. It's, it's almost overwhelming from the perspective that uh, there's uh, constantly uh, packages coming in, people donating cameras, cold calls, emails, do you accept cameras? People come to the studio and drop off packages. That's one aspect of it. Of course, we've been doing fun activities like this one where people get together. And we're in New York right now, but there is a meetup that Alex Lux, uh, he's having a meetup in Toronto. And of course, our good friend Darren Pancho Riley in the UK is organizing a London meetup in June. Wow, that is awesome. And I think it seems that film photography is is, is taking hold again. I, I heard Scott DiSabato from Kodak recently did an interview saying that the uh, that sales have leveled off. And I think it's great. I think it's it's finally, you know, it's still viable. And there's so many great new film emulsions out now. That is fantastic news. And um, Michael also organized our first and recently our second uh, print exchange, whereas listeners of the podcast who are signed on Flickr kind of log into a thread and uh, names get matched and we actually send physical prints to each other. Yeah, and it's been really, really great. I think the first time we had 20 some odd people and the second time it was about 68 people. So it's definitely grown about threefold. Um, we've had prints going all over the world. I know for myself, uh, I had someone sending me a print from the UK and the print I sent was another person in the UK. So really, definitely, prints traveling all over the globe. That's pretty fantastic. And right now, once again, because, um, well, growing and we have more and more folks getting involved uh, with the show, with the project, like Michael, to create a website so that even the print exchange, if not so much being involved with it, but the results of it, are available for people to see exactly what it is, what we're doing, you know, and not restricted to that little Flickr thread. Definitely, definitely. I think the, uh, the one of the great things about the website will be that it's going to uh, take all the parts, including the ones that, you know, like the Flickr, the, uh, the YouTube uh, channel, which I don't know if all the listeners know about, which is really great, um, and the podcast, and kind of bring them all together along with the blog and, and the store, and 
make it easy, even easier to find. And what do you think? You think late spring, early summer, we'll see a film photography project launch? I believe so. That's the plan. Excuse me, sir. Are you, are you part of this group? Yes, I am. What's your, what is your name? Uh, Ted. Ted, hey, how you doing? I'm the infamous Ted. Yes. yes. I'm with Ted. Ted, I've spoken to many, many times via email. You've written letters into the show. Yes, I have. And where are you coming from today, Ted? Watertown, Connecticut. How long take you to get here? About two hours. Well, not bad. Car? Train. Was it enjoyable? It was relaxing. I didn't have to drive. Ah, it's very good. Uh, what did you decide to bring with you today? I have with me uh, Brownie Autographic Number 2, a Kodak Stereo Camera, and a Nikon N90S, and also hidden away I have a Honeywell Flash and 24 flash bulbs. Oh, cool. What type, what type flash bulbs? M2. M2. Okay, excellent. How long have you been shooting film? Um, all my life, because there was no digital when I was born. It's uh, it's it's difficult to grasp, you know, not knowing film. To you know, if you're younger, you grow up on digital, and film is all of a sudden new. I'm glad. And I, so it's sort of like when people ask me why do I shoot film, I always say I never left shooting film. Now, do you also shoot digital? Yes, I do. And do you um, do you digital for anything particular, family, or like what? How do you distinguish the, the two? Is like is film a hobby? Like how do you separate them? Um, if I'm shoot, usually if I'm shooting digital, it's because either there's a purpose for the camera. I have some underwater digitals that'll shoot video. If I'm trying to learn how to do something, if I'm trying to get an exposure right, I'll pull. I have a Nikon D70. I'll pull that out and run through some exposure scenarios to see if I can get the exposure that I'm looking for before I try to shoot it on film. Sort of like high-speed learning. <laughs> <laughs> right. And what uh, are you looking forward to expanding or are you happy with what you have? For example, I know a lot of uh, f folks using film Star 35, they creep their way up to medium format and they wind up in large format. What is your feeling on that and where are you going with it? I have a gear problem. Oh, you do? Yeah. And how many cameras do you buy, let's say, in a year? Um, too many. Oh, really? So you have a small collection? Uh, I have a fairly good good sized collection of Nikons. I have about 11 of them. Do you find yourself, I know I do, do you find yourself kind of rotating them on different days based on what, kind of what mood you're in? Uh, rotate them depending on the day and I also have two Nikonos cameras so I, if I'm diving I, I'm not going to bring my D70 underwater without a case. Now you're a diver, yeah. now do you have a, you have a military history? Yes. T tell me a little bit about diving because I don't know too much about it and maybe our listeners don't either. What type of diving I'm just a recreational scuba diver. Oh, okay. Okay. Is it something you did when you were in the service? No, I did not. I was stationed. I was on a submarine when I was in the service, but I never actually had the time to get qualified to learn to scuba dive. But I spent. I actually, when I took my scuba class, we had figured out that I spent more time underwater in one at one time than my instructor had spent underwater in his whole life. Oh, no kidding. So it was a, uh, an interest that you wanted, something you wanted to do as a hobby? Yeah, it was something I wanted to do as a hobby. What cameras do you usually bring with you? Underwater? Yeah. Um, I have a Nikon 4100 that I have a case for, and I also have a, a Canon. I can't remember the number, but I have a case for that. And those are both digital. And then I have two Nikonos cameras. And what type of housing are they in when they go underwater? Uh, actually, the Canon and the Nikon both have purpose-built housings, and then the Nikonos is a straight waterproof camera. Okay, okay. It's, design it's completely designed for underwater use. The only drawback is you have to send them out for service pretty much yearly, or they'll leak, and that's not good, and then you'll destroy the camera. And there's only a, uh, there's a handful of people left that service them 
and the parts are getting really hard to find in this country. How did you uh, stumble upon the Film Photography Podcast? I found the Film Photography Podcast because I'd been listening to the Film Wasters Podcast and they mentioned you guys and I was like, well, let me check that out. And I started listening and I've, I, I'm lucky because I caught, uh, I, I caught the podcast around episode three, so it was pretty easy to catch up. And, and stay up to speed. Well, thank you, Ted. I'm sure we'll be talking to you throughout the day. Thanks for coming down. Thank you. Let's see what's going on in this group here. We have a, we have a group here I'm going to get involved in. Hello, Michael. Oh, hey, Dan. Hey, how you doing? Dan is uh, our organizer. Yes, I've been uh, spending the last half hour calling people and uh, making sure people are coming, hearing that a few weren't, you know. But uh, we got a huge group today. And who, who are we waiting for? Uh, let's see. Uh, right here, uh, we're not waiting for anybody. Um, we're going to walk down uh, 23rd Street for a little bit, and then we're going to meet up with uh, uh, Ron Longmore. Uh, okay. And then, and then let's see, around noon, uh, we're expecting uh, Antonio uh, to meet up with us right around the Lomography store. Oh, very nice. What did you decide to bring with you? <laughs> Anything that would fit. Um, Which bag is yours? Well, uh, with these three bags are mine. Oh, okay. Um, I've got a Polaroid uh, uh, Impulse Autofocus camera, which I bought from the Film Photography Podcast store. Very nice, Dan. Thank you. <laughs> and I got a Polaroid Spectre camera uh, with some image film that I got from eBay. Uh, and in this camera over here, well, in my pocket, I got my Konica Auto S2 rangefinder, my Hasselblad 500C slash M, and uh, my Canon EOS A2. Oh, very nice. So you're, I mean, you're set for just about anything. Yeah, pretty much. I've got the Canon for color 35. I've got the rangefinder for black and white 35, or maybe I'll put some color in it later. Uh, Hasselblad's got uh, two interchangeable backs, so I can switch between color and 35 if I want. I don't think I will because i got so many cameras today. Um, and then two different Polaroid formats. Oh, yeah, and I forgot. Open up this pocket here, and I've got my uh, SX-70. Oh, look at that. What model yeah. is that? That is the SX-70 Sonar. No kidding. Yeah, and it's loaded right now, I believe, with uh, the SX-70 push film. I'm probably going to try shooting it. Maybe the guys at the Impossible Project Space will tell me what I'm screwing up. Right. Because um, there are a lot of uh, hoops you have to jump through to get a nice image. Well, the, the new, the breaking news, of course, is that uh, Impossible just released their six, how's that? Breaking news! Possible just uh, released their uh, P PX680. It's a beta test film, which uh, I we just uh, stopped by the Impossible Project to take a quick, quick sneak peek yesterday, uh, Matt and I, and uh, we found out that um, that is going to be released, uh, you know, on a wide scale. Uh, in two weeks, so about uh, May 1st or so. Oh, that's pretty exciting news. I yeah. I am a, a Pioneer card holder, so I bought up uh, as many packs as I could. And I can tell you that it's very special, the film. Oh, yeah. I bought two packs myself because uh, the, the day or two before the uh, announcement was made that PX680 was coming out, um, I got my 10th point, my 10th pack of film shipped. Uh, so 
I, I heard about the PX680 and I was like, why can't I buy this? And you, I found out you have to apply to, for the uh, Pioneer program. So I applied and immediately I got access to it and I bought two packs. Um, I did a pretty light order. Um, but uh, I'm still waiting for my Pioneer card. I heard it's a really special experience when it comes in the mail. It is, it is. And later on, we'll be down with the Impossible Project. And we'll talk to some of the folks down there to see uh, you know, what's new, what's going on, and what they're all about. So, well, thanks, Dan. We'll talk to you later, too. Oh, yeah, I'll be around all day. <laughs> Excellent. Right, till, right until the end. That's right. And uh, all right, we'll be right back. The Polaroid Spectra system is calling, calling the cameras of America. And the cameras of America are coming. Coming to a remarkable offer on the incredible Polaroid Spectra. For a limited time, any camera, in any condition, is worth $20 toward a Spectra at your local camera store. Imagine $20. Don't you have an old camera that's worth $20 off a Polaroid Spectra? Hey, we're back. Oh, man. That was great. I have a few more mug shots here. Well, here is us on what's known as the High Line. Oh, yeah. Yes, which I call mm -hmm. the High Life. Very cool place. <laughs> yes. It's pretty new. Yeah, the yeah. High Line, if you Google it, it was a railway above the street that used to bring trains into the meatpacking district oh. of New York City. It's in the uh, Chelsea area. Yeah. Yeah, right, yeah. Up, right above Chelsea Market, you have uh, access mm -hmm. right from there. And, yeah. and now it's converted into this walkway uh it's beautiful you can walk they gorgeous have, scenery yeah they have vendors there during the day well let's listen to a few more uh sound bites from the day yes and uh, we'll be back in, in a few minutes shazam i'm standing here on the corner of uh, 23rd street and 7th avenue and matt he had to make a quick a pit stop to uh change the film in his uh lomography spinner 360 and it's recommended well first of all do you know the specs on it um yeah it's it's got three different modes. It has uh, respool, sunny, and cloudy, and I think sunny is F16 or F22. Cloudy is like F8. Um, the shutter speed is normally 1 over 100th of or 125th of a second, and you can change the speed depending on how, if you just let the string go. It's, it's a little rip cord, and uh, if, you, if you pull it a little slower or you hold the head and rotate it, you can make the exposure as long as you want just by rotating it. And uh, as far as loading, unloading, it's fairly easy. Yeah, I suck at one uh, regular 35, and I can load this pretty quick. Now, uh, you being a uh, large format film shooter, uh, an item like this is sort of uh, a bit whimsical. It, yes, it's very, it's very liberating because there's no metering to do. You just kind of pull the cord and have fun. And some of the images I've seen on Flickr.com have been uh, just that. They've been really a lot of fun. Yeah, it's, it's a camera that you, you kind of take to have, you expect to have fun with it. You're not really worrying about composition because it's, it's almost like a pinhole at the sunny setting. So you're really just getting kind of everything in the shot, pretty wide angle. And in a group where we have about 10 people here, uh, it's sort of extra fun because when it actually spins, there's a lot going on. Yeah, it, it captures a 360, sometimes a little more than a 360 if you yank it really hard. And it just kind of sends that across seven shots worth of sprockets along the 35 mil. I have to say, uh, folks out there listening, I, 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 I feel the worst for Matt because Matt is carrying a lot of stuff. Okay, I mean, he has the cute 360 in his hand, which is great, but he also has his, uh, is that the Mamiya? The Mamiya 645 AF. Uh, Mamiya 645 AF. He's carrying, <laughs> he's carrying the bag 
with the Spinner 350 packaging so you can give it back to Lomography intact. That's very considerate of you, by the way. You also have a backpack with your, uh, your Eastman uh, Commercial B 8x10 camera, yes? That's correct, Mike. I weigh about <laughs> 52 pounds heavier today. Now, what's funny is that in front of us, uh, he's, he's with an earshot, but he's not listening right now. He uh, is Dan, and Dan may, has more stuff than you, yet he's handling it much better. He is. Dan's uh, Dan's a bigger guy. I really kind of wish I was a bigger guy right now. I could probably load more on me, but... I swear to God, see, I bet you you put your load on Dan's back and he'd be just fine. I could probably jump on his back. I might later. <laughs> I'm walking uh, with Anton now, and uh, you actually started asking me some questions. Yeah, what, I, did. What? I wanted to know if you usually just shot a 35mm or if you delved into uh, 120 often as well. Uh, these days... I am shooting 35 millimeter and 120, probably uh, in equal, equal, uh, equal portions. Okay. But I grew, I grew up shooting 35 millimeter only mm -hmm. in uh, Canon, Canon AE1, Canon FT. Growing up in the 80s, you know, I walked into the drugstore, and whatever film was on the shelf, usually you know Kodak 400, Kodak 100, that was it. That's all I shot. Oh, okay. So you didn't really have the chance to explore the different kinds of films it was always just the drugstore films i never even thought of it uh, which is kind of hard to explain but you know it's sort of an awareness thing i was completely unaware and then when of course when i went to university i went, took film classes that's when they said well shoot tri x shoot plus x huh? and that's when i discovered something a specialty film like uh, kodak panatomic which is the 32 asa black and white film Oh, that's really slow. <laughs> yeah. The, the grain structure is beautiful. So I was walking and I took out my uh, Olympus Stylus Epic, which ran out of film. I've got an Olympus. What, uh, which Olympus is this? This is the OM-1. This it's, is a famous camera. Uh, yeah, relatively. And uh, it's an all-mechanical camera. It's got an enormous viewfinder for such a small camera. It's almost rangefinder size. And um, I don't know, you want to take a look? Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, if I could just take a... Yeah. It's, I think, 97% coverage. Okay. Comp this to a Canon. Is it like an AE-1? Is it like a more like an FTB? Are you familiar with Canon cameras at all? No, I have more Nikons than... Um, I only have the Canonette uh, QL17. That's the only Canon I have. So on the OM-1, are there any program function, functions or strictly manual? It's an all-mechanical, uh, all-manual. Uh, camera there is a meter uh, that I can just turn on but I love that it's the mechanical aspect because I don't have to worry about replacing batteries or or finding batteries if I need them I can always it's always ready to shoot how long have you had the, the this Olympus camera this one I've had it for a couple weeks but I just got it back yesterday from um, uh, some repairs that need to be done when you were growing up what was the first film camera that you started shooting with I really started shooting only a couple years ago. Oh, no kidding. Were you shooting digital first? I shot with a D40 digital. That's a, a, a Nikon digital SLR. And within a couple of months, I got tired of a digital-looking image <laughs> and, and wanted a camera that I knew would, be, would last and, and would be solidly made. So I got a Nikon F4S, which is a huge Hulk of a film camera, 35 millimeter. And then I got a Holga, and then I got something else, and then 
I got like about 20 cameras now. <laughs> oh my god. So you have gear acquisition syndrome? No. <laughs> okay, good. I do not because what I uh, have, I will use and uh, I will use for uh, specific purposes because each of these lenses that are on each of these different cameras have a different signature and if I want to go for a different look, I will use that look. That's very interesting. That's uh, kind of very, very thoughtful. It's not like you're just acquiring to put on the shelf. Right, right, right. Like, uh, in, in, like not like a gambler who's just like, ah. Right. Um, I mean, some stuff I just got on a whim and some stuff I got in an auction <laughs> as a camera lot. Uh, but I actually got a, an SX-70 oh, okay. w w without even realizing it. <laughs> because oh, in a, in a in, lot. In, in a camera lot. And um, I got some film from the uh, Impossible Project. Uh, for maybe I think it was fourteen dollars or so for the PX one hundred, the the test stuff, and I love shooting with it. I really wish that the film was less expensive. So you um, use it sparingly? Yeah, yeah. And you asked me about uh, whether I use one twenty film. Is this something you've been shooting with? Do, do you use one twenty film? Oh yeah, all the time. Um, today I even brought with me uh, Voigtlander Perkier One, which is a fifty year old, sixty year old camera that uses it and. It's it's even smaller than this OM-1, and it takes 6x6 six six pictures. What uh, type of film do you use, prefer, or I should ask, the fact that you're using different lenses to get different looks, are you start, starting to get a feel, a taste, you might say, for different types of stocks? Are you experimenting? Have you found favorites? I prefer Kodak, um, and I like the old portraits, like the NCs. I think they have a beautiful look to them. And just this warm tone, so vivid. And I've got some the new Kodak portrait with me today, so I'm going to see how that compares. The uh, 400? Yeah, the new 400 portrait, yeah. Uh, have you heard that Matt has been shooting at 3200 ASA? Uh, no, I have not. <laughs> he uh, shoots Portra 400 at, uh, at 3200 ASA and pushes it one stop. Oh, well, we just passed a photo exhibit. Oh. So, uh, Anton, we'll talk later. All right, sounds good. I'm now standing here with Ron. Hi, Ron. Hi, how are you? You uh, joined us uh, as we were walking down 23rd Street. Yes, I did. And he, Dron just jumped right in. You did. I didn't really have a choice. I was standing here freezing, so I figured I'd get into the group and warm up. You had mentioned, or maybe Matt mentioned, that uh, you, are, you are recording your own podcast with John Meadows. Right. Uh, now, John Meadows, I met him online when FPP first started up, mm -hmm. and he's been uh, a great friend to FPP. Right. Uh, how did you get, is it, did John start the podcast? Right, yeah, well, actually, I joined APUG in 2000, August of 2009, and then last summer I noticed John popped up on APUG, so I, of course, sent him a welcome message, and then his first introduction, anyhow, he'd mentioned that he was interested in doing a podcast. If you're ever interested in having one and join him, give me a call. What is the name of the podcast? Um, we, well, actually, John pointed to me and asked me to come up with a name, and the only name I could come up with, it seems... Well, at the time he'd asked me, for the few weeks before that, it seems like everywhere I went, I was encountering the shipping forecast. I went to the library, I found the shipping forecast. I was on the internet, I found the shipping forecast. So he said, come up with a name for the program. So I said, okay, the photography forecast. That's a very optimistic title. I'm also standing here with Dan and Matt. A very optimistic title for a podcast, the Film Forecast Podcast. Right. It makes you think that, of course, the forecast is always going to be sunny. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Ron, how long have you have you been shooting? Oh, I started 
I think when I was mm, 15, 14 or 15, okay. yeah. Well, yeah, for many years I did digital. I got sidetracked working on that. And then one day I realized, well, I was just telling Matt a few minutes ago as we were walking down, that every time I took a decent picture, I was saying to myself, boy, I wish this was on Kodachrome. Right, right, so right. And I figured the right thing to do was to go back to shooting Kodachrome. As you can hear, Ron has an awesome radio voice. Yeah, he does. And the first thing I'm going to do when I get back to the studio, of course, is to uh, dial up uh, uh, the podcast that you're involved with. How do you access it? Oh, um, let's see. If you go on APUG, you'll see a bunch of messages from uh, every time we put up a program. John puts up the episode on John, John Meadows has a site as well, right? Right, yeah. John Meadows also has, um, he's on WordPress also. He does a bit of a blogging. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to check it out. Dan? Isn't, uh, isn't the website like uh, filmphotographyforecast.wordpress.com? Uh, yeah, right. It's, okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, Dan, lead the way. All right. We're uh, we're going to the left, right? Yeah. We're continuing our walk, and we'll be back. I'm Cheryl T. I feel at home in front of the camera. But behind the camera, I don't know the difference between a lens opening and a Broadway opening. So I rely on my Olympus OM-10. My trusty OM-10 gets great shots automatically. My OM-10 has the smart little red light that tells me when it's okay to shoot. Oh, it's okay to shoot. Hold it, With Olympus OM-10, great shot, automatically. Hey, we're back. It's great to hear us uh, the way we were. That that clip just flew by. Yeah. <laughs> uh, real quick, before we get into anything else, we have we must because I'll just okay. completely forget about it and I'll, I'll be doomed. Mm. We must do our giveaways. Oh yeah. And you see, I'm, I'm here and I already almost lost our giveaways. We are giving away eight Polaroid cameras. Eight. eight. Holy eight. crap. Uh, That's. Ocho. Most of them are Polaroid 600 cameras. It's good timing because we have this Wii. Because yeah. the Impossible Project yes. has this new color film coming out. Gorgeous. Yeah. Probably out film. today, May 1st. The, yeah, they're Maybe. coming out with the first flush they, very soon. When uh, when we were at the uh, uh, Impossible Project space, they said it was going to come out like within two weeks or something. So if it's not out yet, it's definitely coming out real soon. It's color film called 680. Mm-hmm. PX680. PX680. Yes. It's for Polaroid 600 cameras. You know, mm-hmm. that's the... Yes. I and got one now. Here, here, we'll do like a live sound effect. Just so you know what a 600 camera sounds oh, yes. like. Just in case you forgot. Nice. Uh, and let me give a quick shout out to all the folks who donated cameras. Uh, of course, Arthur Smith. Are you familiar yes. with Arthur on our Flickr? Arthur JS. Yeah. Yes, Arthur JS out in Boston. <laughs> well, get, I think get in the cats go to Boston. I think that uh, era, that era, era. I think that uh, Arthur Smith and Arthur, yeah, and Arthur and Jagatzi are doing their own photo walk. Gatsy, yeah, Jagatzi, hey, Jagatzi, hey. yeah. They had it already. It was on. I think it was on uh, uh, the thirtieth. Arthur, maybe you can give us a full report. So many FPP meetups. It's just hard to keep track. This is great. Yeah. Uh Anyhow, Arthur Smith, yes, uh, he sent us some cameras. Keith Derrickson, Warren Yee, our good friend Lance from Belgium, Picture Crossing. Do you know about Lance? Picture Crossing. You you know, you keep saying Lance from Belgium. He's in Belgium, but he's from America. I did not know that. His emails to me say Lance from Belgium. What do you want me to do? Oh, okay. What do you want me to do? So it's his fault. It's his fault. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I I think he was from Florida or something. I'm not sure. It's conceivable he's in the service. Conceivable. Yeah. Yeah. 
you know, there are some people who are, you know, who listen to FPP. I get a lot of emails from, including uh, Nano Burger Dan. Okay. Yeah. Nano yeah. Burger. Mm-hmm. They're all in the service, <laughs> uh-huh. and they don't get specific because, you know, look, you know, we actually could have some James Bond types listening to the podcast with their little Minox spy cameras. We don't know that Lance isn't in. He says service could be Secret Service. True. Delta Force. It's exciting. It could be Her Majesty's Secret Service. Yes. George Lazenby. Yes. So I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't pry for personal information. Don't, but don't the, ask too many questions. Yeah, but no. Lance, he could be a, a special agent. Yes, it's kind of know. mysterious. Yeah. yeah, where where are all these Polaroids popping up? Exactly. Uh, of course, uh, our Polaroid giveaway: Angela from Max Diner. Nice. Yes, Jackie from Max Diner. I'm getting hungry now. <laughs> our friend Nate Matos, he sent the only Polaroid 1000 camera. Which is the original one step, the white with the yep. rainbow. The little rainbow straight. Yep. Rainbow. He sent a uh, Polaroid 1000, all minty, with a flash bar and a pack of Impossible Push. Oh, was that the one he sent in the little bag? Yeah. Ready to go? Okay. In yeah. a bag. So, so now that camera takes the lower ASA film. That's, it's yeah. a SX70 okay. camera. Okay. Yeah. Well, Matt, you pull the first one. We're going sure. to barrel through this. The idea is we're going to pull a winner and quickly read a little bit Do about a little them. Quip. Yeah. Yeah, a little quick. Uh, Quick thing. Oh, these aren't crumpled up there. No, no I got to pick it. No. Don't have to pick a good one because there's eight of them. You know, right. just pick, yeah. just pick one. Pick one. All right, here we go. And the first winner is uh, Nicholas Shields. Hello, Michael. Really like the show. I listen to it on Sunday afternoon with a gin and tonic, and find the enthusiasm that comes across compelling. I live in a Surrey area of England near the Muybridge Collection. I knew it. I am 28 years old. I love playing around with old cameras that I pick up from a charity shop that I volunteer at. I would love to own a Polaroid camera to experiment with and take abroad with me as a good icebreaker when, t- when speaking to the locals. My favorite part of the show is the camera of the month info. I often have never heard of these cameras and then sneak them out to have fun with. <laughs> All the best and keep up the fantastic work. Regards, Nick Shields. Very nice. Congratulations, Nick. We're going to randomly uh, spin the wheel and send you one of our Polaroid cameras. Oh, great. that's great. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, Dan, grab one. All right. And this, the winner is Meg McLaughlin. Hi, I'm Meg, and I'm a mixed media artist living in Austin, Texas. Most of my work is based in photography. My favorite camera that I own is my dad's old Nikon F2. Ooh. Nice camera. <laughs> I recently graduated with a degree in photo slash video slash in printmaking. And I'm still trying to deal with the price shock of paying someone else to develop my film. Give me Polaroid instead. Well, you got it. It's coming. The winner is... Hello, my name is Ellis. I have been doing analog photography since I got an old Zeiss Iconta. Nice. I got an old Zeiss Iconta for my grandmother last year. Since then... I bought a few more cameras, and I learned a lot more. I use a Holga Zeiss Icon 120 folder, Polaroid Big Swinger, and my favorite, an SX-70 and a Nikon DSLR. I'm looking forward to studying photography and learning new stuff and grabbing more Polaroid cameras. And Ellis is in Finland. Ooh, Ooh. Finland. Sounds like Ellis could use a 600 camera, yeah. Yes. Nice. I like that Polaroid Swinger. What was it? Meet the Swinger, the Polaroid Swinger. I think... The, have you seen that uh, video? Oh, yeah. Okay. You're talking about this one? Hey, meet the swinger, all right swinger. Meet the swinger, all right swinger. I 
tell you, I, I enjoyed uh, uh, Dan singing it better than the actual commercial. Really? Meet the swinger, the Polaroid swinger. Meet the swinger, the Polaroid swinger. All right, our next winner is Mark Boggs. Howdy. I would like to enter your Polaroid contest. When I was at my undergraduate college, I shot a lot of Polaroid, but it was just too expensive for a grad student like me. I think, think Dan uh, knows how that yeah. goes. Uh-huh. I've been shooting 95% of my stuff on film the last couple of years, most of, mostly being 120. My shooting really exploded when a professor at my school allowed me to use his darkroom and chemicals. Hey, I know what that's like. My darkroom skills were non-existent when I started about a year ago, but now I'm toning and working with my own lith-developing s- skills. Wow. I'm excited. Yeah, Mark Boggs quick. from Pullman, Washington. Awesome. Congrats, yeah. Mark. Yeah. You learn how to do that stuff quick, I found out. Very quickly. Grab one. Okay. Grab the whole bunch if you want to okay. like, right. ma- manhandle the whole bunch. Paw it up a little bit. As I shift through the pages, I pull out... Tim Williams. Wow, this is a long one. Um, first off, I want to tell you I love the podcast and found you guys on iTunes. I'm going through all the back podcasts every night at work. I, as I work at a job that allows me to have headphones on and I get lost in your podcasts. As a guy who took photography in college and had every intention of turning pro, sometimes life says not now. Well, after 15 years away, I caught the bug. Bought a DSLR in July and a Holga two weeks later. Well, I also have picked up my Canon AE-1 from school and will be starting to develop to develop very soon at home, as I never threw away a single note or any of my gear from school. Long story short, I'm into film with both feet and would love to expand to the impossible project, as I have fallen in love with the colors from their film. I've also brought my wife into the film world of photography, and she has been understanding with my case of gas. <laughs> love the podcast keep up the good work and all my life when i thought of jersey and what is jersey i've thought of bruce springsteen and now when i think of jersey fpp comes to mind there yes, we go you guys and the boss best things to hit my ears from jersey tim williams very nice thank congrats, you tim congrats tim what number we up to four that was uh, uh, that was Mike, our fifth winner fifth. yes three more Mike, to go michael picks six yeah uh, you know that that that's it Get a good one. Get a good one, yeah. You know what that's that's from? No, I don't know what that's from. I've heard it a million times, but I don't know what it's from. Help yourselves. Get a good one. I'll give you a hint. Hamilton, Brandt, Kornfeld. Oh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Come on up. That's it. Get a good one. Help yourselves. Get a good one. Uh, Jeff Spicoli. He, Spicoli, yeah. He orders pizza. Yeah. They deliver it to the classroom. <laughs> yeah. 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 Mr. Hand is teaching. Hello, Mr. Hand. <laughs> Of course, now the iconic Brad Hamilton sound bites are used whenever I talk about Hamilton. Hamilton I gotta try them. Out. I gotta try them out. Five the, bucks. Yeah, yeah, the lab that processes only E6. Learn it, know it, live it. Want to give a shout on the sound bite there? E6. It's <laughs> a pretty good one. <laughs> I, I channeled my old Japanese friend for that one. <laughs> Let's see what we got here. <laughs> Our next winner is Lance King from Oak Ridge, Tennessee. I've been listening to FPP for a couple of months and love the show. I only wish it was a weekly event. <laughs> weekly? I, I, yeah. oh, I'd be dead. Yeah. Uh, well, be, you did that last November. It was rough. Yeah. Yeah. But so much going on. I've been wor- working my way back through the archives and have a great and have learned a great deal. It's interesting. He's working his way back where other folks mm-hmm. start at the back yeah. and w- don't listen to the new ones until they get mm-hmm. to the new ones. I think I think okay. a lot of our, our recent winners have been doing that. They they listen to the newest one and then they kind of start up through the backlog. And okay. Catch up. I shot 35 
millimeter film years ago, but I moved to digital around 2000 and didn't look back until last year when I discovered the Holga. I have now shot about 14 rolls to date and have more rolls waiting for me in the fridge, not to mention those on the way from Adorama. I've also started revisiting 35mm photography, mostly using my old Konica TCX SLR that I bought for my high school photography around 19. 19- 87. I recently picked up a Nikon N75 for 12 bucks on eBay. Nice. Yeah. Uh, listening to FPP as well as joining Group on Flickr and enjoying other people's work has prompted me to seriously consider trying my hand at home film development. There we go. We got another one. Yep. Got to do it. We're getting a really a lot of people on board. This is great. Yeah. Because you, you you don't feel alone when you do it. I mean, yeah. you can, now you can just ask somebody on the FPP yeah. group and you just get a bunch of responses. Yeah. It's great. If you want to see my work, see me on Flickr. And this gentleman, I actually recognize him as new to FPP. His handle is Lance King Photo. Oh, that's Lance yeah. King Photo. Lance King Photo. Okay. Well, I, Lance, you just yeah. won yourself a Polaroid camera. Nice. There we go. He mentioned what? High school, 1987? Yeah. Yeah, Bon Jovi, Slippery When Wet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Killer Can you do album. a song? Uh, looks like the long. famous song. Living on a Prayer. Uh, how's it go? I, I, can't, <laughs> I can't hit those notes. Come on. Come on, Dan. Um, you can do it. Uh, all right. Shit. I mean, you said you want to fill in for John. That's uh, true. You got you to gotta uh, get there. What are the yeah, words? I, what are the words? Do you know the, like, the opening words? Yeah, well, yeah, this big should. giveaway. Big. All right. The next winner is... Nick Leonard, hello Mike and all the FPP gang. I very much enjoyed listening to your April podcast and hearing all the Polaroid talk. Never gets old. Consider this an entry into the giveaway you're having. My name is Nick Leonard. I'm an 18-year-old photographer born and raised in Las Vegas. I I follow him on Flickr. So do I. Yeah, he's a... Avid, avid Polaroid shooter. He uses a lot of Instax. A lot of Instax, A lot of, yeah. like, like, models with a wig Mo- hanging out in, like, some hotel. In a hotel room, oh, yeah. yeah. I've, I got to find out who this guy is. He's, I need he's to a pretty cool following. kid. You should go yeah. visit him because if you're going to shoot a model in a hotel room, you go to Las Vegas. Yes. Apparently, yes. yeah. My, my favorite format of film happens to be Polaroid. I find myself shooting spectrotype the most. I've mm. been recently began using Polaroid pack film in my 103 LAN camera, and it's proving to be quite addicting. Anyhow, thank you for the opportunity to enter this giveaway. Best, Nick Leonard. I'm going to do a Polaroid real quick, just just for the heck of it. We're okay. giving to away keep, Polaroid. He keeps everybody in suspense for the last there draw. We go. Nice. What are you shooting in there, Matt? I'm shooting the uh, PX600 UV, pl- uh, UV Plus Silver Shade Black Border. Yeah. Ooh, the Black Border. That stuff is sharp. Yeah. It's, it's great. We have one more camera to give away. It's Ooh. the final gonna countdown. Grab it. Ahead. I don't know if that was 1987. No, it wasn't <laughs> 1987. I have no idea when that was. What's that song? <laughs> I need some lyrics, Mike. <laughs> I need some lyrics. I don't lyrics. know the lyrics. It's just Do it like, again, though. Maybe. <laughs> Is that shot through the heart? Yeah, that's it. Shot yeah. through the heart. And you're too plain, darling. You give love a bad name. Bad name. <laughs> what album was that on? That's on Slippery One. What? Yeah. Okay, we'll, we'll put that in as... Okay. That's my, even though my voice is cracking like hell. Um, okay, <laughs> wait, uh, I need to pick one. Yep. Uh, I'm doing the shuffle method. And the winner is Mark Gregory. Hey guys, love the podcast. Keep it coming. Polaroid was always the camera of choice for my school science fair projects. Wow. It'll be fun to reminisce. Sadly, that's the whole email. I kind of want to know what science fair projects he had. What's his name? Mark Gregory. Where's he from? It's uh, AR Arkansas, right? Okay, yeah. Uh, I'll get a follow-up. Searcy. Searcy? Searcy. 
Arkansas. Okay. A lot of, lot of U.S. locals this time. Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Though you will have to uh, pay for the shipping to the gin and tonic drinker. That's true. Yes. Uh, FPP picks up the tab for uh, shipping all these products. That's why you should go now to the FPP store. Keep us rolling. Buy yes. some. Buy some film. Buy yes. some expired films. Or, or old buy cameras. One of these cameras. I bought this. Do to do impulse autofocus camera yes. from the FPP store. And what'd you get? Ten percent off. Um. Yeah. Ten percent off. I used the special code. Secret code. Yes. Back in 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 March. Yes. I don't know what the secret code is anymore. <laughs> uh, wait. Don't you? We're we gonna make it up on the spot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, email me at filmphotographypodcast at gmail.com. Yo! <laughs> and uh, uh, if you see something in the store, or if you want to just make a donation to the uh, site, of course, uh, whatever doodads are hanging around. Now it's like yeah. almost middle of the year. You can get a, uh, what's going to be soon, a vintage uh, FPP calendar. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so that, these are the that, winners, right? That is a Those are the winners calendar. right there, Mike. Oh, thank you. Winners, okay. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. <laughs> We should go back. Uh, let's go back in time uh, to our photo walk. Let's get a little sound bite. Hans Henley. And you're with Lomography New York. That's right. Lomography NYC in USA. Hans, uh, welcome to the Film Photography Podcast. Tell me a little bit about what you're doing today. Um, I'm getting ready to give a presentation about our uh, LCA camera, the Lomo Compact Automat. It's our classic camera. Uh, core product, kind of our flagship, and the history and evolution of this camera is directly linked to the history and evolution of Lomography as a company. So it's a really nice overview to kind of understand what Lomography is all about and, and how it's come to be what it is today, and also tips and tricks and basics on how to use a really fun camera. For folks just listening to Lomography, what is that? Well, the, the core thing is that we're all analog. Um, we do only film cameras and accessories and films and everything related to analog photography. Our goal here at the shop is to be kind of your one-stop for analog. We got film, cameras, uh, photo lab downstairs, uh, full developing services. So Is that so? That's true. Yeah, we're we're running running in the basement. So um, folks come and drop off their film yeah, you guys. Film developing business is, is rapidly growing. So um, yeah, we just wanna, you know, really foster the analog community right. in New York and, and surrounding area and um, have fun with photography. You yeah. know, we're we like to have fun, we like to be experimental and just do crazy things with with fun cameras that other people aren't doing so absolutely and the LCA it's the signature camera how, how long has it been around the LCA originally came out in in the early 80s uh, in 1984 as a as a Soviet everyman camera um, and it's kind of had a interesting path since then and uh, it's actually a Lomography camera that we that we make and, and produce today based on that original Soviet design so that's fantastic. Uh, we're all fans of Lomography, and uh, we recently uh, uh, gave away a Diana Plus, courtesy of uh, Lomography. And it's a real thrill to be here in the store, and I'm going to leave you now because I want to concentrate on your presentation, sure. but we're going to be sitting in on your presentation, so thanks. Sounds great. Thanks for coming by. Yeah, Shoot great. more film. Yeah. Moving over to Dan. Dan is uh, loading the magazine of his Hasselblad. Yes, the Hasselblad A12 magazine. It's an automatic magazine. You... Uh, wind everything to the till the little arrow lines up you pop it in you wind the crank you don't have to worry about a little red window anymore 
and you're prepping a roll of film. You're gonna shoot Hans doing his presentation. I might. Uh, who knows when I got the hospital? I just sort when something grabs me, I just shoot. So that's great. Awesome. I'm gonna walk around here, standing with Anton and John. And John, you know, I haven't had the opportunity to, to chat with you yet. So uh, first time here. This is my first time here at the store. I'm I'm really impressed. I've got just a everything you'd ever want as far as lamography goes. We were just admiring, Anton was just telling me he's got some of this film here, this... The uh, X-Pro and, and process it like regular E6 and it was beautiful. No, no, no <laughs> kidding. I didn't cross-process it. <laughs> oh, he did not cross-process it. Uh, John, what uh, film photography-wise, what is your, like, what do you concentrate on? What are you currently shooting with? What, you know, what are you excited about? And it's in your bag or at home. Uh, sort of my thing is I shoot the Pentax 672 uh, with Velvia film. I guess I love color, so I like the, the, the super saturated color look from Velvia, so that's kind of my thing. I'll do a lot of nature with Velvia because I just like the wild colors and everything like that, so that's kind of my thing. Yeah. What got you into film photography? You know, I like digital, but I just there's something uh, real about film. You know, as far as also just you have so much more information, like, you know, you can print things big and just the quality of it's just amazing. So I just love the color. I mean, you don't have to sit there and go to Photoshop and, hey, let me make it more colorful. It just comes out of the camera and looks great. Are you an instant film shooter as well? Not shot any instant yet. So. Does it excite you or eh? Not sure yet. I mean, I could, I could say that from the perspective of me. Of I can tell you that uh, I was not interested in it at all. Like, the thought of it was kind of like, ew. Mm -hmm. And I could see, you know, when you're shooting medium format or 35 millimeter Velvia to shoot Polaroid, it's a whole different mindset. I have to say, once I started, mm -hmm. it really, I really do enjoy it now. Do you see yourself shooting instant or probably, you know, what do you think? I think I, think I do. I, I like, I was thinking about some of those large, the larger formats that you get, yeah. going, like the peel apart film, like that sounds kind of interesting to me. So that's sort of on my list of maybe getting one of those uh, those older Polaroid cameras. Yeah, yes. I'm sure you can get a, a Polaroid back for your Pentax that you can use some of the, the, mm. Fuji, the Fuji film. Okay. Tell me about what you're shooting today. I've just been shooting uh, people, a few people, more buildings and other you know, architectural things because today's just not a uh, terribly bright and sunny day. So Now since you're in New York, do you find yourself doing New York street photography? I do, I do. Especially on a nice day, you know, everyone's out and about and just the people are just fascinating. There's just a million characters in the city. And yeah, so it's certainly. always a fun, there's always something fun as far as the people. And if the people aren't interesting, the architecture is always interesting to me and just the shapes and everything else. So, Fantastic. Well, uh, we're going to walk around a little bit more okay. and we'll chat more later. Well, thanks very much. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there is no black and white film being produced now in 220. Is that right? That could be true. At least uh, I, I couldn't find any on Freestyle. 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 Uh, Dan just walked in. Uh, well, no, walked walked next to us. Yeah. Uh, I was talking to uh, John and John. We're doing a on-site film donation here. <laughs> what do you got, John? I've got uh, three rolls of Kodak Triax 320 in the 220 format. So, well, see, I'm, I'm see as being the guy, the guy that loves color film. Black and white, just not been quite my favorite, so someone else will definitely put you good use. And it only was expired in February, so it's nearly new yeah. compared to what you give away sometimes. <laughs> and, and black and white film, uh, you know, degrades much lower than color. So. And it has been sitting in my refrigerator, so it's in good shape. Oh. So hopefully you can find a good home for it. Oh, we definitely will. Thank you, John. Podcast. I forgot to give out the code.
the Film Photography Store. By using this code when you check out, you will get 10% off all of your purchases at Film Photography Store. Shh, the code to get 10% off the filmphotographystore.com is 0511 in May in May if you go to the film photography podcasts very own store filmphotographystore.com Fuji instant film 35mm expired film vintage cameras brand new cameras including Holgas if you go there in May that's this month and use the code 0511, you will get 10% off anything you purchase. So shh, shh, quiet. Let's go. Back to the show. Oh, yeah. Hey, we're back. Uh, let's look at uh, some more Polaroids from uh, the 416 uh, photo walk. You know this guy, Antonio Alvarez? Antonio Alvarez. Oh, yes. Great guy. Yeah. Great guy. Fantastic. Yeah, the last time I was in the city uh, with Lauren... We met up at the Impossible Project, and he took me all around Soho. We went through Chelsea Market. We went up on the High Line, did some night photography. Ooh. All around great guy, uh, mainly shoots 35. He has another buddy, uh, Rafa, who works at Chelsea oh. and takes gorgeous, gorgeous night images all on 35-millimeter slide film. Uh, they've been grateful enough to uh, invite me to come shoot Coney Island at the end of, at the end of May. Is uh, that right? Yeah, so we're, to we're, we're going to go out there. Does and, Antonio uh, shoot night photography? He does a little bit of night photography. Every time he goes out, it's him and Rafa that go out. So. Okay. But he does a lot of uh, kind of street photography. He shoots with a Polaroid Spectra. Mm. A lot of cool stuff with that. I love that film. What uh, It looks like, a, is that a Minolta around his neck? Yeah, I think it's a Minolta X700. X700. Okay. Yeah. That's the John Fideli camera of choice. Yes. Very nice. I think that's it for our rogues gallery we i do have some shots of uh, the folks well here's matt with his 8x10 camera yeah look at that here is dan this shot it looks like you're in like a movie theater watching like some comedy from the 80s yeah, yeah he's excited it about it yeah. movie theater yeah uh lamography the seats, the seats were great yeah oh so comfortable lamography set up like a little theater area yeah. where hans gave a, a chat about the lca camera here's uh the folks from impossible Let's uh, let's just quickly go back to uh, our sound bites. Let's let's finish up our sound bites from the day, and then we're going to talk about uh, Dan's going to talk about lo- uh, lamography yeah. and talk a little bit about the, the Impossible Project. What I've learned. Yes, but actually, before we go, huh? let's pick our seagull winner. Ooh, I totally forgot about. Do that. Do we have yeah. a seagull sound effect for that? Like, <laughs> oh. well, Dan's going to do it. Go ahead, Dan. I'm mixing them up. We have quite a few entries. This is a nice camera. A lot, a lot, a lot of entries for the seagull. You know, I, I own a seagull. I own a seagull five. They're 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 just great. They they really are. They give a nice image. The the edges are a little vignetted, but not much. Yeah, no, no, it's not like Lubatel or something. No, right? not Lubatel. Lubatel. Who wants to draw this one? Dan can draw it. Okay. Oh, thanks, Here's Matt. Group. Oh, wow, this is a nice hefty little. Yeah, uh, that's a hefty uh, pile. Yeah. I'm, I'm I mean, gonna do my shuffle method. Shuffle, shuffle it up. Yeah. Get get a good one. Help yourselves. Get a good one. Oh, I've got one already. The winner is Rick Schuster from Minneapolis, Minnesota. I've gotten back into shooting film recently, and I'm loving it. I'm more excited about photography than I've been in years. There's something about the slower pace and the wait for the film to come back that's renewing my excitement for photography. Excellent. Where Excellent. is he from? Minneapolis, Minnesota. Congratulations, Rick. Yeah. It's going to have fun with that TLR. Oh, yeah. It's oh, good yeah. stuff. Fantastic. I love twin lens reflex. Cameras. Thank you, everyone that's entered this contest. Feels nice to have a winner pile, doesn't it? Yes. So many people, you know, 
benefiting from this. Do podcast. we need to go to more sound bites, or are we done with the sound bites? Did mm. you play the uh, impossible sound bites? Yet? I don't know. I don't, if I didn't, here's uh, here's the rest of our day ah, from the 16th of April, NYC photo walk. <laughs> That sound you hear, and the huffing and puffing from me, that is us walking up five flights of stairs to the Impossible Project. Will it be possible, will it be possible for me to get to the top? It's impossible, Mike. Without passing out? <laughs> will I make it? <laughs> is this the top? And over. These guys are all huffing and puffing. I'm all right. You huffing and puffing? No, I'm okay. These guys are young. Who's huffing and puffing? I'm puffing. Face me. Okay. I'm puffing. I'm huffing. Hi, Frank. Mike Rosso. How you doing? How you doing? Good. What do you think, Matt? I think we made it, Mike. Oh, good. We're here in the beautiful, impossible space. I regained my breath, sort of, from walking up the stairs. And I'm here with Jordan. Hey, Jordan. How's it going? You've joined us like halfway on this walk. Yeah, I wanted to sleep in a little bit. And you heard about the walk from Ron? Yep. And you, you don't quite know if you've seen our podcast, but it really didn't matter because we shoot film, right? Absolutely. So we got that bond. And I don't know too much about you, but you're doing some larger format stuff? What are you, what are you, what are you doing film-wise? Oh, well, I'm not doing much larger stuff. Actually, I, went, I started large and went small. I was doing mostly 4x5 a year ago, and now I'm doing mostly 35 millimeters so okay what got you into film uh learned in high school and stuck with it went digital momentarily in university because i didn't have a dark room or anything and i did that for about three months and then said screw it i gotta make it work so i built a dark room in the basement really yeah yeah you're here in new york yes my girlfriend's going to school here so i i took a year off from working and decided to blow on my savings in new york and just stick around and shoot lots of photos and really focus on photography for a year. So you're doing a lot of shooting? Yeah, I shoot probably at least a roll a day. I shot six yesterday, but yeah, so at least a roll a day. It's a roll a day. Is it mix up, a mash up between black and white and color? Uh, no, it's all black and white. Okay. Are you on Flickr.com? I am. You're probably not in our group yet. No, I guess not. I didn't know your group existed. And you, is your handle Jordan something something, or is it a name? I think it's just Jordan Star. Two R's. Okay, well, thanks. Hey, no problem. Did I leave anything out? No, no, you got everything. That's okay, <laughs> good. Thank you. Thank you for coming on the, uh, on, the, on the walk. And I'm here with Frank. Hi, Frank. Hi, how's it going? The news, the buzz, everything is, uh, of course, impossible. 680 film, color film. Can you uh, tell us about that? Uh, sure. We are currently uh, in the stages where we've already come out with a beta test version uh, for our pioneers of our new 680 film. And in the next couple weeks, we'll be coming out with our first flush version of the 680 film. Uh, we're pretty excited about it. It is, uh, so far as we've seen with our test versions, it is our you know best film to date. It is so far been very stable. It has been uh, you know good colors. Sort of has a almost time zero feel. You know, it's also going to be our least uh, sort of light-sensitive film. Um, anyone familiar with our film knows that generally the film needs to be shaded uh, upon ejection from the camera, and that this one is much less light-sensitive. 
So there's been improvement on that opacifier, as we call it. For, for those who don't know, uh, what Polaroid cameras does the this 680 film fit? Uh, this will fit with any 600 integral Polaroid camera. These are the cameras that most fo folks think of when they think Polaroid, the kind that spit out the print in the uh, front of the camera and people unfortunately shake. Exactly, and in fact the shaking uh, can actually tend to do more damage than, than good uh, because you know the shaking originally came from the peel apart films that needed to dry and people kept doing it with the, the integral ones, but with the integral ones you can actually tear uh, the layers within the film if you shake it a little too vigorously. Right. Impossible Project, the Pioneer program, can you tell, uh, tell me a little bit about what it is exactly? Uh, sure, it's a program we started last summer, uh, sort of as an incentive slash reward program for any people who have been sort of standing by us and supporting us in this early stages of our film development because our films are, you know, they are quirky because we are still developing them from, from scratch again, uh, sort of trying to start over from what Polaroid did. And basically it's a point system that for anyone who buys a pack of our film gets one point for the, each pack and that we, we have a cutoff date uh, or sort of uh, point where originally it was supposed to be March of this year but we've extended it until the release of the final version of the 680 film which will be later this summer that if you get at least 10 points by that period you qualify as a pioneer which means a 5% discount on our films for life. Oh that's pretty good. Yeah so basically uh, all you need for that is you need an account on the website to be able to track the film. If you buy it off the website it's automatically tracked. If you buy it in one of our spaces, uh, which is basically either New York, Vienna, or Tokyo, uh, then you just need to essentially inform uh, on that account, the email account you have. And once you get up to 10 points, you you know, agree on the terms and conditions of the program on the website. If you, as long as you get to those 10 points before the cutoff, you will be a pioneer. There's two levels past that. Oh. But the, yes, yes. Yeah, the, the levels past that are uh, 50 points and 250 points, oh, as well okay. as there's a couple other add-ons to that sort of requirements to get to those levels. The 50 point goes to a 10% discount, as well as a few other perks, and the 250 is what we call the impossible level. And the first person to reach that is actually going to get a, a trip to the factory. No kidding. Yeah. You um, need to visit X amount of stores yeah, the part of that to get to the impossible, though, you don't, don't just need 250 points, but you actually have to get to at least two of our spaces, which means you have to get to either New York, Vienna, Tokyo, or the, uh, the little shop in the, in the factory itself, the factory. Very interesting, very interesting. Are there any impossible level uh, pioneers yet? I know that there was someone who actually came by here who's on their way to Tokyo to get to that stage. Um, I haven't heard yet, though, uh, definitively, if they've reach that. I know they had the points. Right. Um, a lot of people have the points. That's kind of the easy part. It's um, The other requirements are either uploading images, uh, sort of having people sign up for accounts through you, uh, as well as possibly, like, I know for the impossible level, it's also you have to buy a digital timer. Right, okay. So there, there's little things to get, to get to that level, or to the other levels, but the, the basic one, the one that most people have, is the simply just the 10 points, 10 packs of film, 5% discount, it's lifelong. Right. Uh, and you get a cool metal card. Yes, I have one myself. We've been talking about Polaroid uh, cameras on the podcast since Impossible had their um, event here in March of 10. Yes. And uh, every, uh, many, many listeners have, have Polaroid fever now. 
and we've been encouraging people to really, you know, go in their parents' or grandparents' house, you know, dig out what a camera, and that there is somewhere there most likely is film for it. I mean, most of the pack cameras there's film for, clearly the integral cameras, the SX-70, uh, the one-steps, and people have been uh, really very interested in the Polaroid phenomenon. Have you seen growth as well? Have you seen people go kind of nuts over Polaroid? I, I have. I feel like it's a combination of certain things. It's, it's the timing of Polaroid shutting down that a lot of people sort of realize that maybe they took it for granted. They realized that they really had fun shooting it and that they've wanted to keep going and they feel like with it going away they almost like are yearning to get back to that. I also think there's something about the timing in which where we are with the sort of digital photography age that a lot of people have been using digital long enough that some people are, you know, you know, not, not to, to denigrate it, but just saying that some people have maybe become a little bored or that they want to get, you know, try something different. They want to have fun, you know, uh, especially with Polaroid photography, it's, you know, having that instant print in your hand. There, there's something about that yes. and that, you know, a lot of people, you know, have just been missing the printed image in general because digital photography, not that it's sort of anti that, but just it's very easy to not make prints, especially for your average uh, person. They, they don't generally make prints uh, because they probably for the most part are doing it themselves or they go to like a kiosk thing, but that it's very easy with Polaroid because you have right there in your hands within a minute or a couple minutes you have an image you have a printed image and you know especially you know people for walking around and shooting with friends or I know for parties a lot of times um, also very popular at weddings things like that you know it's 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 a it can be a group activity it's something that you it's fun exactly it's you know you share you don't you're not crowding around an LCD you have a physical picture you can pass around and you can take more pictures and that I, I think there has been a yearning for that. I think uh, film in general has, has somewhat uh, come to that because it's it's just a, it's a different process, and that you have to come to it in a different way. And that I think for a lot of these people, they're they're looking for something different. And that especially for uh, the younger generation, I think uh, there are people who you know have grown up with digital, and they they see a lot of these, especially with like the cameras as well. They see these old cameras, and they think they're just like the coolest thing. You know, we, I've seen kids come in here and see, you know, some of these cameras for the first time, and especially with, like, the SX-70, the folding SX-70, a lot of people just, you know, you should see their faces when they see it open or closed, and they're just like, I can't believe a cam that's a camera. Yeah. And it's, there's something about that that I think people are sort of at this, you know, it's just there's like a unique timing of all these things coming together that people are finding, like, a, a newfound fondness of, of this kind of uh, film and photography. I can't agree with you more. It's, uh, it's so much fun and so satisfying and really, really looking forward to the new films being introduced this year. So uh, I'm glad to have uh, FPP here and, uh, you know, listen to you guys. And uh, it's nice to, uh, you know, have you guys come in and enjoy the space. And I uh, hope your walk has been going well. It's been going great. Thanks, Frank. Hey, we're back. Here are some folks from uh, The Impossible. Here is an iconic shot of of Impossible New York's John. That's John J-O-N. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think uh, when I was there the first time at PDN, I think I got John's picture. John so. was uh, playing some Beach Boys pet sounds <laughs> nice. uh, in the background. For those of you who are into the Beach Boys, you could start, if you're not into the Beach Boys, you could start with pet sounds. And those of you who are into the Beach Boys. You know pet sounds. Or have endured any Brian Wilson solo concert. You will know <laughs> that Capitol Records is releasing a box set of the original Smile Sessions this year. 
This is not to be missed. This was the Brian Wilson landmark album, pre-Sgt. Pepper. This would have been the Beach Boys' Sgt. Pepper. It would have been the groundbreaking, uh, uh, stereophonic uh, masterpiece. You know, um, in, in interviews and stuff, um, Paul McCartney said that their inspiration for Sgt. Pepper's was Pet Sounds. Correct. They, they were trying to top Pet Sounds. Yes. And then, then Brian Wilson, I think, had a... Uh, breakdown. A breakdown because Sgt. Pepper's was so much better in his opinion. Well... I uh, don't know. I could be pulling that. No, no, you're close. The, I've been following this, and to, I'll be very brief, uh, but Good Vibrations came out as a single, and it was a groundbreaking landmark song. For production, for production value, and that was to be part of the Smile album. And then Brian had so much difficulty with mixing of Smile, sort of like a project that wouldn't end. Sergeant Pepper came out, and that's when he gave it up and went to his bedroom. Yeah, yeah for years. I feel like I need to take a couple uh, college music appreciation classes, music history yes. classes, you before need, the next episode. You need a class sort of like uh, Jack Black's character in School of School Rock. School of Rock, yeah. 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 There are some great documentaries on the Beach Boys. If you can find them, check them out. Anyhow, John was playing... Uh, he fixed my sounds. camera. John fixed yeah. your camera. Yes. The, uh, I had uh, some icky uh, skin off of this uh, Polaroid camera, and he uh, took it in the back, took out a... A piece of an old junk camera and what camera is that, on. Dan? That we're talking about? This is uh, the SX70 sonar camera. Pulls open and it's a folder. And did he replace the whole door or just the skin? Yeah, just the the door, the whole door down here. Um, it, I uh, when I first bought this camera on eBay, uh, the rollers were uh, you know disintegrating, um, so I tried fixing it myself. Failed horribly. Okay. And then. Uh, so I got on Flickr to the Polaroid group. Somebody sent me a new roller assembly. So it worked great. But the problem was I got this weird, funky-looking snakeskin down here uh, on an all-black camera. And he, he, here's an image. This is Josie. She works in Possible NYC. And she was helping a customer with a uh, Polaroid 600 camera. And I overheard the conversation. And uh, it's one of these cameras that sort of still works, but not really. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, yeah. Like, well, is that the one she kept pulling the pack in or putting yeah. new ones in, seeing if it would yeah. shoot out? Yeah. Sometimes the electronic goes bad. Yeah, it's like... And, of yeah. course, here is Frank. Frank Love. Impossible. Frank Love. Yes. He looks like he would be actually in the Beach Boys. <laughs> circa Frank Love, K-102. <laughs> He's a great guy. Uh, I've corresponded back and forth. He's contributed to the FPP blog and always very, very helpful. And... Uh, since we're talking about uh, Impossible, uh, did you talk with Frank at all? Did, uh, oh, he... yeah. I talked with uh, Frank Love for about 40 minutes or so. Well, first off, he gave me some tips because I was having some problems uh, getting good images out of my PX70 push film. Okay. Uh, since I have a folding camera, he showed me this super cool trick that I can do. If, if I'm not you know, in the sunlight, I can open up the front door here just like that. Take a dark slide, if you don't mind that, and in between the front flap and the two rollers, I can slide this dark slide down, and it 
gets pushed out the front door a little bit. I put it in maybe halfway and I close the camera and if I take a shot, Keeps it's it automatically shielded. I grab this sandwich and because push film needs a little bit higher temperature, I stick it under my armpit for, nice. for like uh, maybe uh, three, four minutes. You can keep that dark slide, Dan. Okay. <laughs> I see you've got another one. Any other takeaway from Impossible? Oh, yes. Um, I, w- I was curious uh, to see, like, the inner workings of the company a little bit. Dun. Yeah. <laughs> and um, because I was kind of curious, you know, when I, when I buy a, a packet of uh, PX film, you know, what does that go to? You know, and, you know, uh, a percentage of it goes to research and development of new film. Is that right? Yeah. Is so, that right? Yeah, it's true. There's that cost. There's the per, uh, the majority is the production cost, of course. So you're saying that the big three at Impossible have strategically broken out the fees that go when you pay for something. Some goes to research development. Some goes yeah. to overhead. Yeah, know. it's it's not price gouging or anything like that. It's carefully calculated. Well, I think that's what a lot of uh, listeners should understand whenever you're buying something from an indie company. Yeah. Uh, a lot of folks, of course, complain about the price. You know, it's it's X amount per picture. The packs are $22. and, and But you're buying from an indie company. Mm-hmm. Any insight as to their batch runs, like the ideas of, of, of the expense? Is it because the, the runs are smaller? Right. Exactly. Because uh, the runs are smaller, it's much more expensive uh, to produce such a small amount of film, and you don't want to produce a large amount of film because you're still it's in the experimental. Yeah. Everything, even the 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 quote unquote finished products right now are experimental film, so you have to produce small batches. Relatively speaking, of course, right. nothing compared to what the old Polaroid was. Of course. So you have to produce these relatively small batches, and uh, that costs more money. Did did he say what the relative proportion was between like the, the what they're producing now and what Polaroid used to like? Are they doing like one one hundredth of the kind of oh I have no runs idea. they were doing or I, I mean because no that that you could definitely get an idea of price from that. So right. for anyone anyone out there listening who's wondering what the hell we're talking about, <laughs> we're talking about Impossible Project. Unless you've been in a closet the last you know eighteen months, <laughs> if you just tune if you're just tuning in. Yeah, and you're actually still with the show at this point. <laughs> Impossible Project is making new film for Polaroid cameras, and I will tell you because we're so like in the FPP mindset, in the FPP world, in the film photography world, we forget that people don't know these things. No, there's people right. just tuning in all the time. Right. So the guys at Photobug Podcast did not know. Yeah. That no. they had no clue that new film was it's, being it's made. It's so common because they. All you have to do is hear one negative thing, and you just it just kind of drops out of your mind. So, like when right. people heard Polaroid was was gone, that's it. There's there's no reception to to new news. It's, right. They don't need new news because yeah. they have it's digital gone. cameras. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That, that's it. And let's face it, we in the FPP are in our own little world. Mm, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, true that. Thank goodness. <laughs> Thank goodness. Gets most of us through our week. Yeah. Through our day, it's a great place to be. You lose touch with the reality completely. Don't even go to work anymore. <laughs> just <laughs> yeah. go back to episode one uh, and, and just start all over. Start again. all over. Cruise again. through. Yeah. Hit the yeah. dark room for a couple weeks. So yeah. I'm sorry, Dan. Uh, oh, so right. batches of films impossible. Right. Uh, now he did say ideal because my my key question was, you know, let's say that uh, the best of the best happens and you're somehow able to recreate the old Polaroid film. What happens then? And then it, it really. S- 
from from that point it gets it would theoretically get a wider release you know more people would start being interested in it mm -hmm. um people who are already shooting would want to buy more packs at a time so then the market forces sort of go to work you can uh make bigger production runs and that will drive the cost down uh, you won't have to put so much money into research and development. That will drive the cost down. And so you, the bigger you get, the, the cheaper you can produce the film. And, you know, like, uh, like I said before, they're not out to uh, gouge prices or anything. So if it's cheaper for them to make and to sell, then it's going to be cheaper for you to buy. But at this point, all you can really do, other than uh, buying out a few boxes to uh, test for yourself and right. have fun with, yeah. is sit and wait and keep your fingers crossed. Yeah. If you don't have a Polaroid camera, uh, you just go to your parents' it's house. super cheap. Yeah. Yeah. Go to your parents' house or go to uh, your grandmother's house, and there's more likely than not there's like a one-step sitting in the closet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Polaroid was unbelievably huge. Yeah, unbelievably huge. Monster and Corporation. The color, the the Polaroid one-step camera from the '80s. It's usually a black, kind of molded plastic camera. Yep. It, it takes this new color 680 film. Yes. You can find these very inexpensively on the bay right. because there's so many of them. Millions. I've, I've millions. even heard that if you just have an SX70 filter, you can cut the light down using an, uh, an ND filter, neutral density filter. Yeah. 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 Uh -huh. On so, an older camera mm -hmm. right like right. the sx70 yeah anything that takes the sx70 film yeah. you can do that so we're going to be talking about uh the new color film from impossible in, in future episodes in the meantime really quick dan give us the give us your run now matt i'm not leaving you out on purpose no no you're right. you're fine it I'm, just seems I'm just like chilling yeah seems like dan you went and it seemed like you had a great uh you know a pull away from every place like right the, re the report I, right i wanted to learn more about who these people were and yeah everything. Like, uh, you have almost the second second row seats in Lomography for the... Yeah, uh, I did Hans. have second row seats. I was one row back from yeah. the... <laughs> so tell us, what was the takeaway from the Lomography store? What's, what's, what was your takeaway from that? We know what it is now because right. Hans gave us the, the roundup, but what was, this, what was he talking about this LCA? What's that all about? Right. Well, um, before uh, the Lomography store, you, you can sort of... You sort of have a, an image of maybe they're catering exclusively to hipsters. The the LCA was sort of a camera that these students uh, in, what was it, Vienna? Uh, I believe all, so. You're right. Uh, gathered around and uh, really adopted as their own. And they started smuggling them out of uh, the uh, uh, Soviet Union. Yep. So when communism fell... In the Soviet Union, this this uh, camera, which actually had a lot of parts, a very complex camera, mm -hmm. apparently, um, you know, the fall of communism meant that the state wasn't paying for these cameras anymore. The market's over. Paying. Yeah, uh, nobody's gonna pay four hundred and fifty dollars or whatever it was for this uh, little little camera. So uh, they were going to stop production. Uh, these uh, Lomo people. Uh, approached them and convinced them with the help of Vladimir Putin, apparently. To get the factory going. Yeah, to keep the factory going. But that only worked for a short while. And then uh, they sort of redesigned the camera, took out like 60 parts. Right. And um, added some new features and started manufacturing it in China. And Well, uh, didn't they, but didn't the Soviet Union stop? They were like, comrade. The, we are making no money with the Lomo cameras. <laughs> that man in Austria, he's crazy. Yeah, that's what I said. So they, so they, they shut down the... 
Yes, the Lomo they factory. shut down the Lomo factory. So the Austrian guys, they right. f- are they from Austria? Yes. They flipped the bird to the Russians. <laughs> exactly. They went in underground, mm-hmm. and they went under the fence. They stole the plans, and then they went to China and gave them the secret formula. Yeah. That's not exactly what happened. I'm making, <laughs> no. this, I'm making this up. No. But they it, did. They did go to China. Yeah, they yes. did go to China for cheaper manufacturing of the, uh, right. the new redesigned camera that was designed to be a little bit cheaper. The Russians threw their hands up, though. Yes. They're like, that's it. That's it. No. Yet. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's still because of that huge price disparity and right. the fact that it was state-sponsored for so long. That's part of the reason why it's it's such a uh, expensive little camera, and it, it's not your average like Vivitar wide and slim, you know. Ultra wide and slim. <laughs> Ultra wide and slim. Slim. All right, um, so China makes it now s- exclusively yeah. for Lomography to distribute. Right. It is it is a new camera being made by the Lomographic Society. It's called it's called the LCA Plus. Yes, the LCA Plus. And uh, I think they have uh, RL edition, which is the Russian glass lens. Okay. That, and it's yeah. a sta- it's a it's a their stable camera, correct? It's right. With, with it, lomo- that's what they built yeah. the Lomography store right, around. Yes. yes. It's it's not just Lomography sort of embraced a general sense of low fidelity photography. Right. No, they embraced this camera, and this camera started this whole right. movement. Right. So it's it's much more special than you might otherwise think if yeah. you don't know the story. Well, it's pretty excellent. They were very nice. They let us check them out. They're yeah. great guys. Yeah, they're like if you want to check out a camera, all they wanted was like an ID or credit yeah, card. Some you sort know? of collateral. They do that, and I would guess they do that. They do that as a service to anybody, but it, there's a fee involved, and you basically you're just yeah. paying for the film you're shooting. Okay. Right. But with us, they were just like, no, you're a group. We'll, we'll, they waived the charge. Yeah. yeah. Everybody got a free roll of uh, 35 of their choice, and. Right. Yeah, I, they're great people. Yeah. They, they would probably accommodate. Well, uh, one last thing, just one last thing I need to mention. We ran into this gentleman. He wasn't part of our group. Uh, Greg McMahon is his name, and he had a stereo camera just like Ted. Different model, of oh, course. Nice. He had slides with him. Oh, oh the stereo slides, slides in the, yeah, in the yes. viewer, yes. Uh, we met Greg, and I'm going to send him an email and uh, turn him on to the podcast. And uh, he was just kind of uh, wandering around the Impossible Project. He was there when we showed up. He yeah. was very interested in what we had you know, to say what we were doing. and Yeah, know. yeah, yeah. He kind of he made his way into the group. Yeah, that's and a, cool. And a few Lomography folks at the store, we also turned on to the podcast. Right. right yeah, which right. is very cool. Yeah. yeah. You don't expect to do that with the group meetup, you know, bring yeah. more people yeah. into the group. That was it's an cool. added benefit that I didn't even think of. Those stereo slides, oh, my God. Those Pretty were awesome. Pretty awesome. Yeah. And you ha- actually have, a, like, a Viewmaster kind of view. Yep. Yeah, you just kind of pull up Built-in light. light, so you don't even have yeah. to try and find a window. That's right. You know, like so we're we're gonna wrap up this show. Oh yeah, because it's uh, been overwhelming. Yeah. Uh, it's gonna be a, this is gonna be a marathon show with all of our oh, sound yeah. bites. Seven and, hours. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, Dan, uh, well, Matt, of course, you'll be back next few shows. Of course. Uh, Dan, you're uh, gonna be back. Yeah, I'm planning on coming back a little bit. Great. And uh, so thanks everyone. We're gonna go out with a Pancho song. Pancho. Because of Cinco de Mayo on the fifth. Yes. Viva Pancho. I'm trying to think of the name of his band. The name of the band is... And the Banditos. Pancho Ballard and the Banditos. Thank you, Dan. Pancho Ballard and the Banditos. And you could Google that and find the site, and you could buy the album on on CD CD Baby. Baby, I was going to say Lens Baby. (laughs) You go to (laughs) CDBaby.com, type in Pancho Ballard and the Banditos. It's perfect. 
uh, music to listen to while you're boozing it up on the 5th <laughs> of May. <laughs> yes. And we'll be back in two weeks. Yep. So thank you, guys. Thanks, Mike. Oh, thanks. Great. Fantastic.